I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for March 24th, 2021. As always, click that subscribe button and tap that notification bell so that you see our videos in your feed. And I should note before we begin today, I was going to mail it in today. I've got a lot going on. As I've been saying, there's been a lot of local stuff happening, big announcements next week. I was just going to phone it in. I was going to act like a regular YouTube host and just phone it in. But then I realized as I walked into the studio, it's my director, Connor's birthday today. And I thought, I can't, I can't phone it in for Connor. So I'm going to bring it today. That's right, people. An absolutely laser focused episode of the Rubin Report. A little bit of information, a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of humor, and a little bit of hope. That's what I'm going to bring you today on the Rubin Report direct message. We got four stories for you. First off, you're not gonna believe this. I am going to, at least partially, give Bernie Sanders credit for something. That's right. So make sure that you're you know, solid in your chair. I don't want you falling out of your chair. Make sure when I do this story in just a moment that you're not drinking anything. I don't want you to do a spit take, ruin your computer or your laptop or your iPad or whatever it might be. So that's a very important point there. Then you're not gonna believe this, but more democratic politicians are racist. Yeah, that's right. They're very, very racist people. They call everyone else racists, but they're the racists. We're gonna get to that. Uh, then I thought this was really interesting. Project Veritas, which is James O'Keefe's uh, operation. I've had James O'Keefe on the show. I think he's a good guy. Uh, they are suing the New York Times uh, over some of their reporting not only over some of their reporting, but basically the way the New York Times reported on Project Veritas's reporting. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, and then, you know, because we've done so much about how the states are so wildly doing different COVID measures, I thought we'd do actually a direct comparison between my home state. Well, home, my home state's technically in New York, but my the current state that I live in of California versus the place that I dream of, you know it's Florida. Uh, and we're gonna actually compare the numbers and dive into all of that. So it's a jam-packed show. And as I said, laser-focused people, I'm ready to go. Before we do anything else though, I wanna talk to you about Hartford Gold. You know, I spend a lot of time talking about cancel culture and how the left tries to silence people and issues they don't wanna hear about. Here's something we can't cancel though, no matter how much or no matter how hard we close our eyes or plug our ears. The Biden administration is spending excessively while killing energy jobs and dragging out lockdowns. This can be catastrophic for the American dollar, which is why it is smart to invest in things that are real with intrinsic value, which is why I'm encouraging you guys to invest in gold. I recommend you speak to my friends at American Hartford Gold. They sell physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA plus. They make it easy with an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. I know you will come to trust them too. When you call today, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver with your first order. So now's a great time to check them out. Call 866-219-9311. That's 866-219-9311. Or text Ruben to 65532. Don't wait, secure your financial future with gold. And now back to me. All right, people, this is gonna be a tough one to swallow, but I'm gonna do it. Bernie Sanders kinda got something right just in the last few days. And I'm gonna get to it in a moment, but sure, he 
got it wrong before that, and he's gonna kind of get it wrong going forward, but I'm gonna do the best I can as an impartial arbiter of the truth here at the Rubin Report to give Bernie Sanders a little bit of credit. So Bernie Sanders uh, did an interview with Ezra Klein uh, in the New York Times. Now, Ezra Klein is either the CEO or COO. Can we get what he is of Vox? He's basically in charge of Vox. I don't particularly like or respect Ezra Klein. He's gone after me a couple of times. You know, he's, he's sort of in the woke world and, and Vox is just absolute trash. But in any event, Bernie Sanders was interviewed by Ezra. He's the editor at large, thank you, and the founder of Vox. Uh, we get information on the fly here at the Rubin Report. Uh, but Bernie was interviewed by Mr. Ezra Klein in the New York Times, and he said this, and I'm gonna give credit where it's due. He said, look, yeah, should I do this in Bernie voice? Look, you have a racist, sexist, xenophobe, pathological liar, an authoritarian, a bad news guy, Sanders said. But if you're asking me, do I feel particularly comfortable that the president of the United States could not express his views on Twitter? I don't feel comfortable about that. Social media shouldn't serve as a platform for authoritarian purposes and insurrection. And if anybody who thinks yesterday it was Donald Trump who was banned and tomorrow it could be somebody else who has a very different point of view. All right, so you get it. So just in the last few days, Bernie Sanders is basically saying that big tech shouldn't have the power to deperson people, that big tech shouldn't have the power to just mass ban people. And as you all know, after the events of uh, the Capitol on January 6th, big tech performed a digital assassination of Donald Trump. They took him off Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and Spotify and everywhere else. And now, two months later, Bernie Sanders is actually kind of getting it right. It's, it's a little odd because you know, Bernie Sanders, all his policies are very authoritarian, right? His policies are always giving more power to the government to do whatever the government wants. Now, he thinks it'll do apparently only good things if he's in charge. Uh, but what I always say is you want a government with so little power, it can't do that much good and it can't do that much bad. That's the trade-off that you get in a free society. But that being said, I'm glad that Bernie sort of gets... Uh, you know, a little something, let's say, about free speech. He kind of gets it. This is worrisome that the government or, or that private companies could basically take out the most powerful person in the world. The reason I said the government there, well, let's get to a, a tweet from a, a Bernie Sanders that you'll recognize a bit more. This is from January 11th, 2021. So this is, you know, five days after the Capitol Hill event, and this is when they did that digital assassination of Donald Trump. Let's be clear, if Trump is too dangerous to send out a tweet or a Facebook post, he's too dangerous to be commander in chief. Donald Trump must be removed from office immediately and held accountable for his horrific acts of sedition, violence, and chaos. Ah, there's the Bernie we know and love, the Bernie who doesn't get it at all. Okay, Bernie, so five days after this whole thing happened, in effect, Bernie was saying that if someone is booted off Twitter and Facebook, that that's enough for the government to actually take them out too, right? That's enough to basically say, okay, Trump should be impeached now or otherwise just removed from office for those last two weeks of his presidency, which absolutely nothing happened, and then the Democrats ran a sham impeachment thing. but. The reason I said government before 
as I was starting to say private company, is there's something uh, very interesting about what Bernie's tweet is really saying there. Can we put the tweet up one more time because it's the first part of the tweet that's interesting. And I'll do it in Bernie voice, just the first part again. Let's be clear, if Trump is too dangerous to send out a tweet or a Facebook post, he's too dangerous to be commander in chief. Okay, so think about what he's saying there. He's saying that if the tech oligarchs decide that someone is too dangerous, and by dangerous, what he means is they just disagree with the tech oligarchs, then they're too dangerous to be commander in chief. Isn't that outsourcing of tyranny, right? Our founders were afraid of tyranny from the government because they could have never imagined that we would have these companies that would be a superstructure far more powerful than, than the government in many ways, right? I mean, think about your own life. Which has more power and engagement in your day-to-day -day operations, the government or the device that you're holding that has all of your information and all of your communications and everything else. Like there is this thing now, this, this sort of unwieldy, endless monster that we can't even grasp how powerful it is that we just keep giving power over to. So Bernie's actually saying something very dangerous there, that if those guys who are completely unaccountable for everything, if big tech decides this guy's too dangerous, well then certainly he's too dangerous to be president. And of course that then added fuel to the fire of getting rid of Trump and the second impeachment, which was a total sham and waste of time and everything else. So I will give Bernie credit for kinda making some sense a few days ago. At the same time, I will mock him, you know, for not properly understanding the issues when it mattered, um, you know, two months ago. But I will add this, if you're watching Bernie, if you're watching, well then how about not just saying the right thing now, you're kind of getting it now that of course it's not gonna stop with Donald Trump, right? And perhaps some of us two years ago should have offered a better defense of Alex Jones, regardless of what you think about Alex Jones. And by the way, I had a mea culpa on this about two years ago. I said I should have offered a better defense because it wasn't gonna stop with Alex Jones. That's not a commentary on anything Alex Jones has said or done, it really is not. But of course it wasn't gonna stop with him and then it gets to Trump. And then of course they'll come for other people. So I'm glad you got that now, Bernie, but you wanna do something real, Bernie. You wanna do something, you wanna actually do something besides talk, which I know is the fear of every progressive, right? Progressives are good at talking and burning things down, but not really building things. Well, all right, Bernie, how about you lead a campaign to get Donald Trump back on big tech? How about you don't just say, oh, two months after I got the thing wrong and the bad thing happened, I've now seen the light. Right, because you're, you're just kind of saving your own butt because you're a political outsider too, right? The establishment doesn't love you either. Um, so the big tech guys could turn on you too. Um, you know, so how about you lead it, Bernie? How about you get a big, uh, one of them there petitions going? How about you get all your socialist buddies and the communists and everybody on board and let's get Donald Trump back on big tech. I'll sign that thing for you, Bernie, because I'm for free speech. And I think that would be the way to do it. I suspect Bernie is not gonna do that, but he is just trying to you know, save face a little bit at this point. So as we wrap this story up, either Bernie is just what he is and now he's just trying to cover it and make sure he's okay, or he kinda gets it. But as I've said a lot lately, I'm not really into people who just talk, I want you to do. So Bernie Sanders, my hope is that you will do. And let's get Donald Trump back on social media because obviously you think it's an important piece of our American contract and free speech. I shall not hold my breath. Uh, all right, so the next story, th this is super interesting because when I now say that the Democrats and, and the lefties have become the racists and the anti-racists are the real racists, you know, some people think I'm being sort of over the top with that, 
or I'm being a little sarcastic or something, but, but in essence, I really, really am not. The people who purport to be anti-racists are the ones obsessed with racism. They're the ones who want quotas at schools and at government jobs and all of these things. And even our politicians now, the ideas of critical race theory, the ideas of social justice are such viruses, such viruses of the mind that they are infecting all of our politicians. So yesterday, Mazi Hirono, who is a senator from Hawaii, uh, she was on MSNBC and she was asked about whether uh, there's enough diversity in Joe Biden's cabinet and how that would affect her voting. And listen to her very carefully. Um, one of your colleagues, Senator Tammy Duckworth, said today that she told the White House she will vote against all of President Biden's nominees who are still outstanding uh, until they rectify the, the fact that there is no AAPI representation in Biden's cabinet. Do you stand with her in that? Tammy's, Tammy's position um, is that until she gets a commitment from the White House that there will be more diversity representation in the cabinet and senior White House advisory positions, she will not vote to confirm anyone who does not represent diversity. So this is not about pitting one diversity group against another. I think this is a, a well-articulated, focused position, and I am prepared to join her in that. Do you think the Biden administration has been adequately receptive to your entreaties for more diversity? Obviously not, otherwise uh, Tammy and I wouldn't be taking our position. But we would like to encourage them to do better. Mazzy, you a racist, honey. Yeah, that's the thing. Mazzy is a racist and so is Senator Duckworth because what they are saying is that they will oppose nominees unless they are diverse enough. So in effect, they will not allow for a white nominee. I mean, if, if you were to distill this thing all the way to its essence, they will not allow for a white nominee unless that person is LGBTQ. Now, the hilarity of this is that by throwing the Q in there, and we've talked about why the T shouldn't be with the L's and the G's, but by throwing the Q in there, questioning, that means that a straight white man who's married could get all the way up to the nomination process, and then they're questioning him. And Mazzy could say, well, you know, you know you're pretty qualified, uh, and your resume checks out, and you seem like a good, decent guy, but you are straight. And the guy could look her straight in the eye and say, well, you know, it's true, I am straight, I'm married to a woman, I'm a good uh, citizen and, and member of society, I have a couple kids, I try to help the community, but I do think Brad Pitt's kinda hot. And, uh, you know, maybe I'd be a little gay for Brad Pitt. Not, not full-blown gay, but like I could get like a little gay over Brad Pitt. And Mazzy then would have to, by her own idiotic her own idiotic set of rules, she would have to say, oh, I guess this guy's in the LGBTQ community. And that is how moronic these people are. So what she and Senator Duckworth in essence are saying is we are racists. We have decided that diversity of immutable characteristics is worth more than hard work. It is worth more than history. It is worth more than all the skills that an individual person might bring. You know, there's that old lady of justice. You know that lady of justice, she sits outside all of our courts and she's blindfolded. You know that lady? You know why she's blindfolded? Because she doesn't look at those things. However, our Democratic senators now do. Well, anyway, this was yesterday on MSNBC. And then of course, what happens, and this is why they'll have to boot us all 
from Twitter one day is that a whole bunch of people, thousands and thousands of people started calling out Massey and Senator Duckworth for being racist because it is racist and it's systemic racism because it's not just regular old racism like, oh, I don't like a black guy, that's not good, but you know, you're entitled to your opinion, you're entitled to associate with who you like, but they're actually the ones bringing us systemic racism because what she is saying is me as a member of the Senate, I will only vote for people based on race or in this case, she also adds sexuality. That is injecting racism into the system, systemic racism. The thing that we don't have that they say we have, they're the ones importing it. It's quite spectacular. Uh, But because a gajillion people yesterday called her out on it, called both of them out on it, on Twitter, uh, then Duckworth spokesman, Senator Tammy Duckworth spokesman, Ben Gash, Garmiza, Uh, issued this statement. He said, Senator Duckworth appreciates the Biden administration's assurances that it will do much more to elevate AAPI voices and perspectives at the highest levels of government, including appointing an AAPI senior White House official to represent the community, secure the confirmation of AAPI appointments, and advance policy proposals that are relevant and important to the community. Accordingly, she will not stand in the way of President Biden's qualified nominees, which will include more AAPI leaders. You know, you're not gonna believe this, guys, but the AAIP or the AAPI community, they're doing pretty well in America. Maybe they're that not that concerned about their representation in the government because they succeed in the real world, they succeed in the free marketplace, they succeed in business and education and family and the things that matter. These people are just really ridiculous, pandering pinheads. And my God, we must vote in better people because it's, they're, they're eroding all of the good things about America. Um, and by the way, I can't do a story on Tammy Duckworth and not give a shout out to Kevin Duckworth, who was the center on the early 90s Blazers, went to two NBA finals, was a little overweight, uh, but, a decent jump shot for a center. And actually, I think he had a heart attack about 10 years ago and died, but was one of my favorite ball players way back when. Uh, all right, let's move on to story three. Project Veritas is suing the New York Times. And you know, anytime I see anyone going after the New York Times, it seems worthy of talking about. Uh, we've got a quote from Reclaim the Net. Project Veritas is suing two New York Times writers for defamation in their articles that were presented as factual news, not opinions. Last year, New York Times writers Tiffany Sue and Maggie Astor made unverifiable claims that a video by Project Veritas about election irregularities in Minnesota uh, was deceptive in five articles. Now, we've got a quote from Project Veritas. This is the headline of the video that was in question. And I actually saw this video when it came out. Didn't get any major mainstream coverage except to defame it. Ilhan Omar connected cash for ballots voter fraud scheme corrupts elections. These here are all absentee ballots. Look, my car is full. Money is the king of everything. Okay, and then they have a whole video explaining what was going on there. Uh, Let's go to a quote now from the New York Times piece about that Veritas video. Mr. O'Keefe and Project Veritas have a long history of releasing manipulated or selectively edited footage purporting to show illegal conduct by Democrats and liberal groups. 
It goes further on to say, and this is from Tiffany Sue, that Project Veritas magnified the reach of the deceptive video. And finally, a quote from the Federalist, the judge ruled the lawsuit can go forward, finding that Project Veritas showed sufficient evidence that the New York Times may have been motivated by actual malice and acted with reckless disregard when it ran several articles against the investigative journalism outfit. And uh, sorry, one more quote on this. I'm a, I'm a quote machine today. This is from Judge Charles Wood, New York State Supreme Court. If a writer interjects an opinion in a news article and will seek to claim legal protections as opinion, it stands to reason that the writer should have an obligation to alert the reader, including a court that may need to determine whether it is fact or opinion. That is the opinion. Okay, so I know I went a little heavy on the quotes there, but you really need to understand this story because it's super interesting. So Project Veritas runs this story on Ilhan Omar and ballot harvesting, which they stand by. The New York Times then reports on it, but injects opinion in what they claim is an objective article, right? And th th then you're conflating opinion and fact. Now, of course, the New York Times does this with virtually everything. The New York Times is not a newspaper. The, excuse me, the New York Times is basically a, a place of propaganda, I would say at this point. Um, they've ran stories saying that I lead people to the alt-right with a picture of my face. Remember that one? That was a good one. Jordan Peterson was included in that and Ben Shapiro and uh, Phil DeFranco and uh, Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman. You know, all, all really scary people that lead people to the alt-right. And in the very premise of the article, they follow this YouTuber as he goes down the, the you know, <laughs> goes down the well into becoming far right and alt right, but then you're not gonna believe this. He gets saved by lefty YouTube, thus disproving the very point of the article because the point of the article is that YouTube can lead people to the far right, but this kid is saved by YouTube and becomes a good lefty, but in the eyes of the New York Times, that's good. So now it, the, new, the YouTube algorithms basically are good things. Anyway, I don't wanna make this about me, but the point is the New York Times is trash. I think we all know it's trash and I hope the Project Veritas wins. Uh, I saw that um, James O'Keefe actually posted a, a poll on Twitter whether he should just settle with the New York Times because most likely they'll just offer him cash to stay out of court or go for it. And of course, everybody's saying go for it, but I hope he bangs them up. I really hope he bangs them up. The only thing that is going to stop the institutional creep and destruction of all of our norms is suing these people. Sue the fake news New York Times. Sue the colleges that discriminate against Asian people. Sue the businesses who do all these things. And, and, and sue the politicians who decide to lock us down and everything else. Sadly, that's all we've been left with. Um, and that's, that's probably the way we gotta go. So good luck to James O'Keefe and the folks at Project Veritas. All right, guys, one more. Um, you know, I obviously talk a lot about California here on the show, and I am still in California. California right now is still closed for indoor dining, which makes absolutely no sense, zero sense. It's completely insane. What percentage are we at outdoors? Do you know what percentage we're at? Something, we're at 25% uh, outdoor. It's beautiful out, it's 80 and sunny every day in California. None of it makes any sense anymore. We're opening Disneyland in a few weeks at 25% capacity, but we can't eat indoor now. It's like, you can't do, you know, and then, oh, the other one I covered this last week, uh, when you're on a roller coaster at Disney or Adventureland or whatever it might be, uh, you can't yell. What are they gonna do? Are they gonna literally have snipers and there's gonna be kids like, ah! Like, we're just gonna take kids out, you know, like, that would, uh, for health, for a safe and secure society. 
Anyway, I'm not thrilled with California. I've been to Florida a couple of times. It's free, it's spectacular, it's sunny, it's wonderful. The people are happy, all of that good stuff. They smile, it's just great. Well, uh, Clay Travis at, over at OutKick ran a really interesting story comparing some actual numbers. And I know this is scary for some people, but we are gonna do it anyway. Uh, the California unemployment rate is 9.3% and the COVID death rate per a million residents is 1,413. Florida has an unemployment rate of 5.1% and a COVID death rate per a million residents at 1,503. Now let's compare this to Florida. Florida's COVID death rate is a bit higher than California's, we'll get to that in a second, but when you adjust for the average age of population, Florida, which has a much larger elderly population than California, has actually outperformed California when it comes to dealing with COVID deaths in the state. Florida, without shutting schools or the economy, has managed to vastly outperform California in objective COVID virus metrics. Florida should be a model for every state's COVID response. So what, uh, what Clay is actually talking about there is that the rate in Florida, it is a tiny bit more. It's, not, it's negligible to the point it's not even worth talking about, basically. But the unemployment rate is basically half of what California is. They kept people working, they let them leave their homes. As I said, when I went there, people were out and about, people were smiling. Florida, a lot of old people, and they were making choices for themselves. I walked the beach with old people, and they didn't run from each other, they didn't even shuffle from each other. They talked to each other. I was actually hanging out with a group of about 20 older people, we, we, they like white wine. I'm not a white wine guy, I was doing a little margarita situation, but I met this elderly group of people and we were all hanging out and they made decisions for themselves and it was just fine and their economy was not destroyed. So Ron DeSantis, save me. Come to California and save me, would you? Or am I, I guess I'm gonna have to go to you. That's how it works in this country. You've got your foot vote, Dave, and you're allowed to leave, at least for now, if the state you live in isn't in line with your beliefs. Well, at least we got the recall of Gavin Newsom, huh? That's, uh, that's still going ahead, by the way, which are you seeing any coverage of it on mainstream news? Uh, anything, anywhere? There's literally nothing anywhere on mainstream news. Over 2 million people signed a recall to take out the governor of the largest state in the union, and it's completely being ignored. Although, as the man we started with earlier before, earlier today, Bernie Sanders says, it's a vast right-wing conspiracy to take out Gavin Newsom. Oh, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. Uh, guys, part two of my interview with Lawrence Fox, who is now the leader of the Reclaim Party in the UK and running for governor of London. He was just an actor a year ago. He was just an actor who stepped in it by saying some truth on a British TV show, got attacked by the mob, they canceled him, and he decided to fight. That's what it's all about, because if you fight back, they will not take you out. So part two of my interview with Lawrence is on YouTube right now. The full episode is up absolutely ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, and we are doing a Friday panel on education. It will all be about education, during this crazy time, can we get kids back to schools? What's going on with these bananas? Teachers unions, especially in California and New York, the problems of purely online education and, and a bunch more on that. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys. All right, have a great day, everybody, and we will do it again tomorrow. 
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.